Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Dr. Bo Bruce. Names are a central and inseparable aspect of our salvation history. We see it in the Bible that names matter from beginning to end. As God creates the world in Genesis, he names the parts of his creation on the first three days. Day, night, heaven, earth, and seas. Before he goes on to create the plants, the lights in the heavens, the animals, and finally mankind. For the living creatures, we learn that it wasn't God that named them, but that God brought each one to Adam, of whom we aren't told who named him. And whatever he called each, that was its name. Adam also initially named woman before naming her Eve after the fall because she became the mother of all the living. Just as God named much of the cosmos, when it came to mankind, the authority we have over the earth bestowed upon us by God is communicated by our ability to name. Later on in Genesis, Abram, noble father, becomes Abraham, a father of many nations. Jacob becomes Israel. Places take on new names, signifying their role in the story of salvation. And in Revelation, we hear the Spirit say to the churches that to those who conquer a new name will be written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. God's name given to Moses from the burning bush was simply, I am sometimes expressed as I am that I am or will be what I will be. And this expresses the radical existence, the eternal being of God, a kind of existence that so transcends our understanding that it's simultaneously inexpressible in our words as existence or being. When we're asked as Christians, does God exist? Our response should be emphatically, yes, but. Yes, God exists, but if you mean it in the way we mean when we say, does a car exist? Does imagination exist? Does Bigfoot exist? Do angels exist? None of those capture it, because God doesn't exist in any of those ways. And too often we're prone to make a distinction in this life between the natural and supernatural. But to us as Orthodox Christians, there are only two existences, the created and the uncreated. The only thing in the uncreated category is God. God exists like nothing else. Thus, it's little wonder that God's name, likely something that sounded somewhere along the lines of Yahweh or Jehovah, is to this day not spoken by observant Jews. Instead, they substitute Adonai, Lord, as is done in many of our Bibles in the Old Testament. In rabbinical Judaism, The name was forbidden to all except the high priest, who should only speak it in the Holy of Holies, in the Temple of Jerusalem, on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And as each blessing was made, the people in the courtyard were to prostrate themselves completely as they heard the name spoken aloud. We see Jesus apply this name to himself in the ego ego statements, Greek for I am. In the Gospel of John, for example, before Abraham was, I am. Or even more dramatically, when during Jesus' arrest, 
he asked, whom do you seek? And they answer him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus replies, I am. At which it says they drew back and fell to the ground. Why? Because he was using the name of God. And Jesus' human name, that precious name, at which every knee shall bow, the name we bow our head at each time we hear it out of reverence to his humility to descend to the earth and become one of us, Jesus. As we have discussed before here at the Advent is the Greek form of Joshua, which means the Lord of salvation and connects the Old Testament Joshua who led the Israelites into the promised land through the conquest of Canaan with the New Testament Joshua, Jesus, who leads all of mankind into the promised land of the heavenly banquet through his conquest of death and the grave. So I hope it comes as no surprise that names remain important in the church. As Orthodox Christians, we, when we are baptized or chrismated, we take on Christian names. The name we take will become our patron or matron saint, someone we identify with, who not by their own power, but in fact, through their own fallen nature, chose to bind themselves intimately to Christ and die with him. We will ask their prayers and intercessions to God, and why not? For we believe they are alive and well in Christ, and we are in dire need of help. When ordained, we may take on a new name, and even if we keep our Christian name into ordination, rather than choose another, we'll use it more often, especially in formal church settings. In the world out there, I'm Bo, but in the church, I'm Benjamin. Likewise, monastics take on a new Christian name when they enter that phase of their life, recognizing the dramatic change and commitment they're making. When they do, they completely relinquish their given name. Since all of our bishops are monastics, you'll note that they do not use their given names, not even their last names, unlike deacons and priests. The old man is dead. That's why you see their names capitalized fully if their names are given. And if their, if their, I'm sorry, if their last names are given, they are given only in parentheses. This is simply for the sake of distinguishing the many Bishop Johns or the Bishop Thomases from each other. For what it's worth, it's considered bad form, by the way, to give animals Christian names. But don't feel bad to run home and change your dog or cat's name if you happen to name them Dionysius, Theophon, or Epiphanius. And with the importance of names in mind, let us come to our gospel reading today. For Jesus has just told his disciples, Truly, truly, I say unto you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. As you can imagine, this is one of the most misinterpreted passages of Scripture. It should be, but apparently sometimes isn't, patently apparent that if I stand up here and ask to win the lottery today in the name of Jesus, it's simply not going to happen. It's not because my faith is less than a mustard seed because that's not what this passage means, full stop, period. And the name of Jesus is not some sort of magical incantation. And as the late Father Hopko, a blessed memory, was prone to say, we do not believe in the magician, the mechanic, and the fairy godmother. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what does in the name of Jesus mean? Unfortunately, in the name of is something we've lost so much of its meaning in our society that it's little wonder that someone trying to read the Bible outside of its historical and social context would perhaps get such a literal yet misguided view of what the meaning of ask in the name of is. One of the few places we still have a remnant of the real meaning of this phrase commonly used 
is in the phrase that the police officer uses when he yells at the assailant running away, stop in the name of the law. It also helps that we have a certain penchant recently for entertainment set in medieval times where the king's messengers go out to proclaim their news or orders in the name of the king. And in both cases, there's an appeal to listen to the authority of the one in whose name something is asked. This is the ancient form of name dropping. And this action on behalf of its exact, on the behalf of another is the exact meaning which is intended here. Perhaps when Jesus says this, even with his context though, you remain a little confused. I mean, how exactly can you be doing what the king has asked you to do when you're the one doing the asking? It appears turned upside down. And like many things in Christianity, it is a little bit. But the most important question is, why is that? And that, my brothers and sisters, is the theme of the next couple of weeks. On Thursday, 40 days after his resurrection, our Lord, Jesus Christ, will ascend to the right hand of God, carrying with him our very humanity to be enthroned at the right hand of God. And 10 days later, or 9 days later, depending on how you like to count, on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit will descend and fill our hearts, enthroning divinity within us. I hope you'll join us as we remember these important events in the coming weeks. This unique relationship that Jesus' ascent and the descent of the Holy Spirit gives to us as sons and daughters of God entitles us to be priests, kings, and prophets to act in his name. In fact, as we say here at the Advent very often, we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. As St. Paul said, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And from our Lord in St. John's Gospel, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. We are representatives in this world. We are Jesus' representatives. We're called to drop his name to everyone we meet. We must represent Jesus. We pray, that is, we ask, because we cannot do this alone, but only through the power of God. And we respond as servants when we get the answer, whatever it may be. And we can only expect the answer to be what we ask when our will is aligned with that of God. But most often, Unfortunately, the situation will be that we're not aligned with God, that we're still babes learning from our mistakes, trying to discern the true will of God. Other times we'll not receive what we want because our Heavenly Father loves us beyond measure and knows what we need for our own salvation. And all too often, that's a little bit more humility. And sometimes we receive that humility through what we might view as suffering. Sometimes we get a plate of vegetables when what we asked for was another cookie, and we should praise God for it. His love is immeasurable, and by that love may we all come to salvation. If we're asking God to change his will in our prayers, rather than faithfully acting as God's agents in this world in accordance to his will, we don't understand the depths of this passage. We are not going to change God's will. As St. Nias, Nias, 
of Sinai said in his 5th century text on prayers, How many times have I prayed for what seemed a good thing for me, and not leaving it to God to do, as he knows best, what is useful for me. But having obtained what I begged for, I found myself in distress, because I had not asked for it to be rather according to God's will. Faith is not telling someone how to make it the way we want it to be. It's trusting that God knows how it should be and doing it. To act in faith is to ask in trust. And if we trust that God knows best, there is nothing to ask for except thy will be done, O Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.